Hey, what's up? It's Julie again with a new episode of the Ambitious Love Podcast. It's another episode with Dennis McCormick, the survivor of a severe car accident. So in this episode, we talk about how his life was from before the car accident up until today. And also he shares his major three life lessons he got taught throughout the past four years. I hope you'll enjoy this new episode with Dennis McCormick. Just before we jump right into the next episode, I'm always looking for people who have an inspiring story to tell and would like to share it as well. So if you know somebody who would like to share the story and are an inspiration for yourself, uh, please let me know so I can get in contact with them and maybe interview them and spread their message as well. Thanks. So let's just go on to the next episode. Enjoy. Go ahead. Thank you that you took the time again to have the basically the last podcast of this series of about your accident basically and to yeah. finalize that i would like to ask you now like what is the difference basically from how was the the life as a marine corps um in or basically like how was your life in the marine corps different from how it is um now as a marketing director Well, one, I don't have to wake up as early. Okay. <laughs> and two, I definitely don't do, have to do as many pull-ups or push-ups. Mm -hmm. But um, in essence, my life from the Marine Corps has, has kind of flowed over and made me who I am. Um, and it's definitely a part of my job as a marketing director. Um, you know, in the being in the Marine Corps, you know, it's not just a title, it, it's a lifestyle and it, it's a persona and it, it will always be with me. So the, the mentality that I have, the determination whenever it comes to my job or things that I'm trying to get done or things that I need, um, I do them with, with passion and with as much energy and uh, as much, um, strength behind them as I can which, you know, as a true marker coming from the Marine Corps. And, you know, most people don't think about that, you know, the Marine Corps, you know, or even just any armed services, people think it's just guns and explosions and running around in the forest. And it's so much more. There's so many more logistics and things that can relate into the common civilian life as well. Um, and there's little, little nuances that follow you and will always be there and always be a part of it. And, It, it doesn't hold the case every time, but there are times where I, I can meet an individual or see an individual in public and you just get that notion by the way that they carry themselves, the way that they walk or the way that they handle whatever situation they're in. You can kind of tell they have that, that service background. You can, you can kind of sense it and that I, I don't think it ever really truly leaves anybody once you're out of, out of any service, especially myself in the Marine Corps, it'll, it'll never be. It'll never disappear. Um, it'll always be a part of who I am and what I do. So the biggest part of the Marine Corps was actually the mindset you got from it or the, the, the mindset you learned through it. And that is still something you carry with you every single day, even when you're working as a marketing director. Yeah, before, you know, it, it might have been something that you consciously thought about and went, okay, let's, let's think through this situation. But now after being in the service and being in the Marine Corps, that, that mentality becomes a part of you. It's, it's just natural. You don't have to think about it. It's just a, a complete reaction on your part. 
and it's automatic. And so that, that mentality is still that way. I don't consciously have to go and think through the situation. It's almost completely reactionary with the full effort that I can give it. What is, for example, a, a situation in which you can imagine this is probably the Marine Corps or the mindset of the Marine Corps doing this now uh, in your in your job? It's almost a leadership aspect. Um, it currently, in my, my current position, we have, um, uh, as the marketing director, I have a project that requires six, seven, eight. I have nine individuals underneath me who are all working on separate aspects. And I need things in a certain order and to a certain spec and to a certain detail. And I'm, I'm in no way their boss. I'm just somebody who is collaborating on that project. But the the way that I have interacted with each of those individuals and the, the respect that I've gotten from them to understand how they need to do the things that they do in order for the end goal to be achieved, um, that my kind of spirit that I, I naturally invoked in order to make sure that I built those relationships with those guys um, in order to get what I needed, when I needed it, how I needed it. It was just natural. It wasn't like I want to go be the biggest, baddest wolf in the group and make sure they know I'm I'm their boss. By no means. Just the way that you as a leader take into account all of the people that are involved and understanding what needs to be done in order to complete what your objective is. And getting all of them to work collaboratively, almost effortlessly. And that, when you looked at it in the big picture, and you, that's exactly what it was. It was exactly like the Marine Corps and making sure that the, uh, the goal objective was reached and that every man was taken care of during that process. I heard the, the big word kind of leadership for you, what is included or is, is included in leadership or how do you um, see leadership as like, what are some aspects of this? Because that's, I feel usually such a broad term most of the time. Yeah. Um, I've, I've always had this mentality that there there's a big difference between being a boss and being a leader. And I, I make sure that what I'm trying to get done is getting done. I'm not there to make sure that everybody else gets it done for me. Um, and there, that's a big thing that I think people mistake of when they become, you know, let's just say for promoting people become managers. They think it's this great thing where, Oh, they're the big boss. Now they can tell everybody to do what they want when really it's not, they're telling you what they need from you. Now you're the one that needs to make sure that everybody gets the help that they need. So you're actually working for all of those people instead. Um, it, it's my job as a leader, I think, to make sure that not that I'm making everybody happy, but that I'm not disregarding anybody. I'm not disregarding their, their objective, their mindset, their plights, and being able to communicate with them effectively Mm -hmm. uh, make sure that they trust me to give me that information. So if somebody, if somebody thinks I'm a dick, they'll come up to me and tell me they think I'm a dick. Um, you, if they just hold that and don't express it, they're just going to hold that resentment and it's just going to get worse and worse and it becomes a cancer. And now all of a sudden they're going to start talking to their coworker and start putting that poison into somebody else's ear and then that person. So it's just going to build this complete discommunication and nobody's going to be willing to work together, which makes the objective even harder to get completed. So you need to make sure that good or bad, that there's transparency between everyone, including yourself as a role. If you're the leader, 
they should be able to openly give criticism and opinion and and structure and ask for help and deny help even if they think they can do it and be able to get that encouragement from you. And there are so many times as a leader, as you as people that think that they get to just tell people what to do, which is I think the complete opposite mindset of what it needs to be. So you might be the one there that verbally expresses what it is, but it was by no means your sole idea. It was your job to take all of the information that all of them were willing to give to you and then proceed with that information appropriately. Too many times people think they just know best and it ends up hurting them and everyone in the long run. So basically for you, a huge part is that um, you are basically working for them now, for the for your coworkers, instead of working or giving the information up to, to somebody else. Is that right? Correct. And what else yeah. did you get from, for example, the, the Marine Corps mentality, which is like similar specific to, to that? Is there something else? Well, I, the biggest thing is in the armed services alone, there's this idea of rank that because they're a higher rank, you they automatically know better than you. And uh, that that doesn't necessarily hold for there, there are times when and have earned that rank because of the fact that they've earned the respect of people because they've listened to, collaborated with, and understood the specialties that everybody brings into their squad in order to achieve whatever their goal is. You know, if I'm a guy who, who comes in in the Marine Corps and let's just say, for example, you're, you're a pog, you're some guy who's just a pencil pusher for an administrative assistant. And there's some other guy who's a, an explosive expert. You know, I, if the explosive expert tells me how to do something, I'm going to listen to it versus if the chef were to tell me something about explosives, I might question it. So understanding that I have that lack of knowledge and I have other people that I need to listen to. So just because I'm the boss doesn't mean I know everything by a long shot. It just means I'm able to listen to everybody and bring them all together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then basically the, the story of, um, the whole accidents, as I heard, not yet even over. So you had recently just again, a surgery of like the last, um, scar tissue, which had to be removed or these parts of it. Um, so connected to this long story, what are, three lessons that you would like to share and which probably influenced you the most during the whole course of it? The three, um, the biggest thing I would give to anyone is, um, don't sweat the small stuff. There are too many bigger things in this world that can a be taken from you. And so the, the stresses of, you know, being stuck at red traffic lights or, you know, you order a takeout and your food was made wrong or something. They have that patience and understanding that you can get it fixed and it's not the end of the world. Um, there are too many small things that we get caught up on and too many plights that we think are ruining everything. Um, and that I just, I don't sweat any of it anymore. It's not worth it. There were too many things that I learned um, through this this whole ordeal that 
it, there, there's, there is very little in this world that upsets me anymore. I mean, there are things mora- like morally that would upset me, but little plights throughout my day, you got to just learn to shake those off. They're just not worth it. They're not worth the stress and your happiness that you could have. It's not worth it. Um, and going from that, I guess number two, you know, is find what makes you happy. You know, just because I – the biggest thing I used to get as a saying from, I think it came from my dad actually was one who told me he didn't create it, but he's the one I heard it from first was you work in order to live. You shouldn't live to have to work. And there are too many people who are just doing something because it pays the bills, nothing else because it, and you know, they're not saying that, you know, everybody job, you know, put in the effort and get built. Sorry, can we, can we repeat the last two sentences again? I said, you don't have to, everybody has to get paid to pay the bills yeah. and to put food in their mouth, but don't get stuck there. Just because you're temporarily there doesn't mean you have to live there. So you do what you have to, no matter what, but always put in the effort to do what makes you happy too. Eventually it'll all come together, but too many times we get to this where we're making money that pays our bills and then that's the end of it. We don't, we don't strive for anything else. We're putting in the minimum effort. Don't do that. Find what makes you happy and put your effort there. And then number three, um, the, the biggest thing that has really affected me is, um, never give up period. It's so easy for the American psyche and to take the influences from other people and, oh, I couldn't do that. Or, wow, that's so terrible. How could you ever go through that? And, you know, I I said it back in one of the first videos and conversations we've had is the only person that can tell you that you can't do something is you, period. And the sooner that people have that self-confidence, that self-notion, and not just – they don't just think it. They truly believe it in their heart. They 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 feed into it and it becomes a part of who they are, the greater everything around them in their life will become. You, you start taking account for your own actions. You start taking account from your own pains and your own struggles. And at the same time, then you also get to take credit for all of your achievements and all of your goals that you've reached and all of the, the acceleration you've made in your life. You get to take credit for that. No one else. So the, it's a double-edged sword. You have to, you have to take account for everything that's bad in your life Put in the effort to get out of that and never give up. So that way you can gloat in the glory of it in the end. Then a question to that, would you now consider um, such an accident that you had as and you having the responsibility over it? I like my my accident. I think that the outcome of that is entirely up to what I decided to go through. It was, it would have been very easy for me to have gone, Oh, woe was me. I, I don't want to live like this anymore. Just take my chop my leg off. I don't want to deal with the pain and, you know, just put me on disability and I'll live in a wheelchair and have to have somebody drive me around. You know, it, that it's very easy. And there are people in this world I can picture in my head right now who I know would do that. But that would have been my choice. All of those bad decisions, all those decisions would have been my choice and my responsibility. And I would have had to have lived with it. And now I didn't, I, I, Oh, 
got my phone in real quick. Battery's running low. It's a constant story with us. Man again. <laughs> Swap over. Plug it in, plug it in. All right. There we go. All right. So as I was saying, before my phone decided to die on us yet again for the whatever fifth video this is, I apologize. It's a bad habit. It's not the thing I'll need to work on. <laughs> um, but everything that I've done in, in the recovery process of my accident, um, I've done. I chose to take the initiative to strengthen myself and go through the pain or get off of prescriptions so I wasn't living like a zombie and put myself back to work. You know, those were all decisions that I chose to do in order to better where I'm at. So now that I'm 30 years old and working a job that I'm um, very well appreciated at and I'm very good at and doing it 40 hours a week plus or the salary and in a brand new house, you know, all of these things I achieved. I did that. And it's all because I chose never to give up. I chose there's no way I was going to let something like an accident define me or let anybody tell me that I couldn't do it. It was up to me to never give up on everything that I did, regardless of the pain. And like you just said, I've, I'm still having a surgery that's a result of this accident three, four years later, and I'm still pushing through it. Yeah, I went had a surgery. Guess what? I'm going to work tomorrow. I'm going to go have uh, the rest of my week and I have my weekend on Monday. I'm back to work again. You know, there's, there's no point in living or being alive if you're not going to live your life. So mm -hmm. it's up to you. Thank you so much. That was again, super incredible. Those three lessons are really, really good. Good. I'm glad if they're profound to somebody. Yeah. It, it, I hope be. so too, especially after, after listening to then your whole story, I, I feel those lessons have even, even more power than if somebody yeah. else would say it. Good. I hope it helps someone. Me too. Me too. At least it helped me already. So that's, that's something. Good. Cool. I'll take, I'll, I'll take happiness in that. Thank you so much for the, I think, five videos now, taking all the time for, for doing that and sharing it. And yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Sorry. Sorry, the scheduling is all over the place and we've had some technical errors and we, some we medical errors. Out. We worked it out. Never give up, give up I've learned. Exactly. Never give up. So, yourself a wonderful, and there it's nighttime now, right? It's late. It, no, it's like almost 7 p.m. Yeah. All right. So it's not terrible. No, it's fine. So, all right. Well, you have a wonderful night. And uh, if I can be of any more help or anything, just let me know. Of course. Of course. I will let you know. Thank you so much. All right. See you later, Julie.